Hi there, misfits. This is Kate. And this is Kevin. Welcome to Horrorwood. Welcome, Kevin, one of my dearest friends. I've actually known you pretty much since I moved back to Chicago. That's true. Yeah, I moved here in 2014 and we met at Timeline. Work in the old front of house. Front of house. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Kevin and I often exchange skincare recommendations and I have one for you today. (gasps) What is it? Tell me. I almost told you... When did we go see the show? Friday night? Friday night, yeah. I almost told you that night, but then I was like, no, I'm going to save it for the pod. pod. It's the Texture Tonic by Tatcha. (gasps) Tatcha. Have you tried it? No, I haven't. I've only done the Tatcha cleansers and moisturizers. So anything else I'm not familiar with. It's kind of pricey. So I waited for it to go on sale and I had a Mm. gift card, but Mm. it is worth it. I've been using it for like a couple of weeks and it's amazing. Oh, I love that. I'm excited to try it. I actually brought you something. I forgot to give it to you, but um, so I always order Sephora online Yeah, and they always give you the option to like add a whole bunch of samples depending on Mm -hmm. how much you spend. Um, And I don't even think you wear, do you wear lipstick? Not much. Yeah, I do. I do. But okay, like, it's do. like a nude color. Right. That's what I thought. But I have a Givenchy um, oh. little like tester lipstick palette. So <gasps> remind me to give that to you at the end. I will. Exciting. Tatcha. Sephora, do you want to sponsor us? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. Does anyone want to sponsor us? Please <laughs> keep this sucker going. Right. Well, it's funny that you're here because before I knew that I was going to ask you to co-host this episode, I put in my notes to give a shout out to our latest Patreon subscriber, which is me, you, Kevin Corbett. Yes. I love uh, so it. thank you so much. Oh my God, Kate, of course. I love this podcast. Oh, thank you. And I'm excited to support you. Even though it's at the $2 level, I want to eventually move up to five. Any amount is appreciated and I love you for it. Oh. Yeah, as Kevin just mentioned, we do have that new level. Uh, It's the accomplice level and it's just $2 on our Patreon, patreon.com slash horrorwoodpodcast. Or if you want like all the bonus episodes, which I'm working on, a fairly big one for this week. Hopefully I can get it out this week. I'm trying my best, my dear Petronians, but it is, it's going to be a good one. I hope, I think. And if you want those bonus episodes, you can join the Misfit Murderino category. Uh, So yeah, shout out to all of the Petronians out there. And while we're speaking, (laughs) um, I, I do want to just like give a little, not it's not a plug because that's not what it is. But if you have a spooky story or just something you want to share, uh, send it to us. Give us an email or send us an email, I should say, at horrorwoodpodcast at gmail.com because I'm going to read it. 
and I'm going to read it on the air. <gasps> Kate, you're doing spooky stories now? That's exciting. Like patron spooky stories? All oh, of our listeners' story, spooky yes. stories. Okay. But you got to send them to us so that I can read them. And speaking of a little spook spook, that's what this episode is today. Spooky. I didn't want to go super heavy because the last couple ones have been pretty rough and I just needed something lighter. It's it's There's a lot of heaviness in the world and on this podcast. And so I wanted to do something a little more fun, a little light. As light as it goes. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> so I've got a haunted hospital for you. That is exciting. And Kate, you know what I love even more than true crime is is a ghost story. So I am ready for this. And I will be writing you because I have a couple stories from my past when I was a kid. I lived in this like really old haunted Victorian house in West Virginia. Ooh. And it was insanely scary. And my parents um, were super angry because I would not leave their bedroom at night because it was just too scary <laughs> and you were like 17 yeah this was two years ago <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and then there was a ghost cat at my grandma's anyway i'll write you about a this. ghost cat a ghost Kevin, cat you have to send that i will oh I will, my goodness for sure speaking of cats there's one in this episode as well <gasps> a ghost cat or just a regular mm. alive you know what debatable debatable okay i love it Today we are talking about the Linda Vista Community Hospital. It was considered one of the most haunted places in America. It's rumored that Richard Ramirez, a.k.a. the Night Stalker, stayed in a room there before he was caught and drew a bunch of satanic imagery on the walls. Ew, stop it. He's horrific. He is very horrific. We're going to cover him at some point. Okay. That Netflix documentary about him that came out, I think, mm -hmm. like a year or so ago. Have you watched it? It is so good. Yeah, I watched it. Ugh. Yeah, it is. Uh, he's not. But the documentary is. Oh, my God. No. Ooh, those <laughs> teeth. Those teeth haunt my dreams. Oh. <laughs> There's also a rumor that patients at this hospital were mistreated there. Oh, my God. Leading to their deaths and then used for medical experiments. No. This is like House on Haunted Hill type shit. Now, those are rumors. I can't verify them, but it does add to the hospital's creepy history. Mm. Located in the Boyle Heights neighborhood of Los Angeles, the Linda Vista Community Hospital began as the Santa Fe Coastlines Hospital in the way back days of the early 1900s, opening its doors in either 1904, 1905, 1907, mm. or 1909. <laughs> One of those. Almost every source I checked listed a different year, but the most common one was 1905. So let's just say it opened in 1905. That sounds good. The hospital was built to provide medical care for employees of the Santa Fe Railroad. I didn't realize this, but railroads were one of the first industries to provide health care for their employees. I mean, it makes sense. Oh, my God. That's insane. And yeah. now considering, like, everything that's happening, they're, like, the most hated, <laughs> you know, with all the spills in Ohio and <laughs> everything. Truth. That's crazy. But they built the hospital specifically for railroad? For their employees, yeah. Employees? Oh, my gosh. Wow. Hospitals and doctors that were associated with railroads essentially helped develop the concept of prepaid health care and industrial medicine. That's insane. 
Although it really shouldn't be up to your boss to determine what kind of health care you receive. Hashtag Medicare for all. But anyway, it's just an interesting fact. Right, right. Because of its significance to the industry of health and medicine, in 2006, the hospital was listed on the National Register of Historic Places in Los Angeles. Whoa. Did you live nearby, Kate? Because I know you used to live in L.A. I did used to live there. I did not live near that area. But the thing is, here's here's what sucks is... I wasn't into true crime when I lived in LA. It that my oh, passion for it came later. And now I'm like, damn it, everything is haunted there. Why didn't I know? Literally everything. Like I'm dying yeah. to go to the Cecil Hotel. Well, I mean, it's not the Cecil anymore, but yeah. No, yeah. You know, we should plan a trip. I <gasps> say this to everyone, I'm like, let's plan a trip to LA. I would love to. Honestly, Everybody. like that's one city I've never been to. And I would love Oh, you ha- to. I thought you I, had for some. No, time. I've never been to LA. I'm ready to go, though. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we need to take all the haunted tours and go to all the places. Originally, this hospital was just one building. And on the grounds of the hospital, they also kept uh, dairy cows, chickens, and a vegetable garden so that patients could have fresh milk and eggs and vegetables. Isn't that cool? That sounds like a dream. Right? Can you imagine? Like, I would love to go to this hospital. Just wake up in the morning, like, go pick some vegetables, say hi to the cows. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, if a patient was like, I'm thirsty, the nurse would be like, oh, hang tight. I'm going to go milk a cow real quick. Let me get you some fresh milk. (laughs) Oh, whole milk. You would love that. (laughs) I do love whole milk, but my doctor said I can't have it anymore. I know. I was just remembering that. (laughs) It makes me sad. I'm sorry to bring it up. Back in the early 1900s, the hospital really flourished, as did the surrounding neighborhood of Boyle Heights. The area saw a huge influx of immigrants, primarily due to racism and xenophobia in Los Angeles. There were a lot of neighborhoods that were not open to people of color or people from other countries, which is really fucking shitty. But the motto for Boyle Heights was, we welcome all. So with its proximity to downtown and the accessibility of the railroad, Boyle Heights became home to a number of ethnic and religious groups, and the area was thriving. That's amazing. Um, Were the immigrants, like, mainly employed by the railroad? Because I feel like that would be, like, a main source of... Not necessarily. Some. Okay. Some, but not necessarily. And this hospital wasn't just for railroad employees. I mean, that certainly was their largest patient base. But everyone went there. It was like the hospital. Sure. Some notable people that have lived in Boyle Heights include gangster Mickey Cohen. He lived there as a kid. He just came up in our Viper Room episode, actually. Oh, I remember that. That was a good episode. Thanks. Actor Anthony Quinn, Olympian Lillian Copeland, and rapper-producer Will I Am from the Black Eyed Peas. <gasps> Black Eyed Peas. He was born in Boyle Heights. Excellent. Yeah. As the neighborhood expanded, so did the hospital. In the 1920s and 30s, the building went through several phases of construction, turning it into a full-fledged campus. There was a dormitory to house the nurses in training, a building used for mental services. They added kitchens, dining areas, a boiler room, laundry, which makes me wonder, like, did they not do laundry before that? I guess they had to do it like outside, like like in the olden days in a bucket. Ooh, amongst the cows with those little like things that you push clothes against, the boards, whatever. Yeah. Can you imagine like 
soiled sheets and having to hand wash those. Ew. Like, especially hospital sheets. I'm feeling like those That's what I'm know, saying. really get sanitized. Not back then. Burn those suckers. Right. But anyway. <laughs> just blood, just light blood, pink blood stains all over everything. It was a joyous time. Oh, uh, everything was connected to the main building through underground tunnels, which is cool. The expansion meant the hospital could hire more staff and take in more patients. Eventually, the Santa Fe Coastlines Hospital was renamed the Linda Vista Community Hospital. Linda Vista is Spanish for beautiful view. The building sits at the top of a hill that overlooks Hollenbeck Park and Hollenbeck Lake, and it does have incredible views of downtown L.A., or at least at that time it did. Despite the fact that the community seemed to be prospering, it wasn't immune to the effects of the Great Depression and war. And unfortunately, racism and xenophobia continued to be a major issue. Damn. Boyle Heights was subjected to redlining, which was a super racist government-led system of segregation that began in the 30s. During the Great Depression, homes weren't being built which led to a housing shortage, and people everywhere, regardless of skin color, were losing their homes. So under the president's New Deal, housing projects were built, and both the builders and the residents were subsidized by the government as long as those residents were white. Stop it. We're a pretty shitty country. What the fuck? That sucks. So the government looked at neighborhoods that were diverse, made up primarily of people of color, and said, hmm. This area is too hazardous for investors. These folks aren't white. Let's make it super hard for them to get a loan or buy a home. Mm. So that's essentially what redlining did. Banks would not insure mortgages to areas that were redlined. The Federal Housing Administration wrote down their racist views in a publication called the Underwriting Manual. And in it, in regards to the newly built, predominantly white neighborhoods, it states, quote, Incompatible racial groups should not be permitted to live in the same communities. Incompatible racial groups. How fucked up is that? No. Yeah. This is insane. You know what sucks? It's like I feel like some of these practices still trickle down into, you know, cities today. Oh, 100%. It has had lasting effects. Ugh. What's the makeup of, I mean, you'll probably get to this, but like, what's the makeup of that neighborhood today? Today, it's mostly Latino. Okay. In an article for the LAist, Liz Ohanesian, I hope I'm not mispronouncing your last name, Liz, writes, quote, the diversity of Boyle Heights was considered dangerous, and that had long-standing ramifications for the neighborhood and the people who lived there. Betsy Kalin, who directed the documentary East L.A. Interchange, said that Jewish people who previously had not been allowed to live in West L.A. or the Valley were now considered, quote, kind of white. And these whites-only housing projects needed residents. And those residents were subsidized to move there, so Jewish people began leaving Boyle Heights and moving to those areas of L.A. where they could get loans. It was actually a more affordable option for them in the long run. Then in 1941, we have the bombing of Pearl Harbor. The following year, President Franklin Roosevelt signed Executive Order 9066, a move that would become one of the darkest stains on America's past. The order stripped Japanese Americans of their civil rights. 
They were removed from their homes and forced to live in war relocation areas. It was known as the Japanese-American incarceration. So these completely innocent people who had never committed a crime, the majority of whom were born right here in the U.S. and were contributing to society, creating businesses, creating jobs, they were forced to live in overcrowded areas surrounded by barbed wire fencing and armed guards. They lost their homes, their property, their businesses, everything. They lost their freedom. That's disgusting, honestly. And I'm ashamed to say I've never, I don't think I've heard of that before. I didn't know much about it until I was reading it um, or researching this, I should say. It's devastating. And, you know, it's funny. I mean, it's not funny at all, but I mean, I feel like a lot of those viewpoints still trickle down to, I don't know, the boomer generation, because I took a trip to Hawaii and went to Pearl Harbor um, with my mom Mm. and like a bunch of her friends who were teachers. And they were this is kind of great. Not my mom, but, you know, there were people there who were upset that like there were Japanese people there as well because they thought. Like, why are they here? Like, they did this, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, Mm -hmm. no, it's a historical event. It's not like they have anything to do with it now. Like, I don't it's so crazy how how people like can't change their viewpoints. This country has a lot to reckon with. Boyle Heights, as well as many other neighborhoods, suffered tremendously from this because it had been home to a large Japanese community. So the order left a devastating effect. And then came the freeways. First came the San Bernardino Freeway in 1943. Residents of Boyle Heights protested its construction because it really tore up the neighborhood. They have to make room for a freeway, which means some homes and businesses are going to have to go. But because this was a low-income area and it didn't have major government representation, the community was powerless. And once a freeway goes up, the area is less pedestrian-friendly, Pollution increases, property values go down, because no one wants to look out their window at a freeway. Following the San Bernardino Freeway came four more freeways over the course of 35 years, taking up 12% of Boyle Heights land and displacing approximately 15,000 people. It was actually even a way to segregate areas even more. Oh, right. Because it really then separated diverse communities from the white communities. So it it had lasting effects. One of those freeways, the Golden State Freeway, or I-5, was constructed to run right through Hollenbeck Park. Where these freeways all intertwine is known as the East L.A. Interchange, hence the name of that documentary that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And the interchange is located in Boyle Heights. Mm. It is the largest and busiest interchange in the entire country. Whoa. The environmental hazard, the noise and pollution this has caused has been detrimental. I can imagine. By the 1970s, railroad railroad workers, that's hard to say, railroad workers, railroad workers (laughs) started leaving these railroad hospitals And using more conventional insurance policies, which put them at other medical facilities for care. The Linda Vista Community Hospital's funding was decreased Mm -hmm. because the government just had no interest in investing in this area. And according to a California health law news report, the hospital was forced to cut expenses by limiting their services. That's never good when a hospital is forced to cut services. 
Yikes. In the 70s and 80s, Boyle Heights saw a big increase in gang activity, which meant Linda Vista saw a big increase in gunshot wound victims Mm. and stabbing victims. And a lot of these patients didn't have insurance, which put an even greater strain on the hospital's finances. To try to make some money, the hospital began allowing productions to come in and film. A TV show called House Calls shot there, the 1985 movie To Live and Die in L.A., filmed a scene there. A 1987 movie called Fatal Beauty starring Whoopi Goldberg and Sam Elliott shot there, Mm -hmm. along with a couple of others. But despite their efforts, the TV and film industry didn't bring in enough money to enable the hospital to thrive as it once had. The quality of care was really going down and the number of people dying at this hospital was going up. Rumors spread that patients were being mistreated or neglected as a result of lack of funding But the victims of gang violence played a large part in the hospital's mortality rate. A lot of the doctors and nurses at Linda Vista left to go to other hospitals that were in more affluent parts of the city. The hospital was overwhelmed. And in 1989, it was forced to close its emergency department. What? So if you were having a heart attack and you called an ambulance, it couldn't take you to Linda Vista, even if that's where you got all your other medical care. A hospital without an ER is hardly a hospital. Right. I mean, what's it good for? Exactly. Especially when you're in this area that's known for gang violence and you need these. Right. Oh, awful. You need these services. Right. So in 1991, Linda Vista closed its doors for good. A lot of the medical equipment was auctioned off, but a lot of it remained, as well as patient records. HIPAA wasn't enacted until five years later. So all these patient records were just everywhere. Oh, no. Although the building had closed, it was still used quite a bit for filming. A few of the movies that shot there are Adam's Family Values, Outbreak, L.A. Confidential, The Longest Yard with Adam Sandler, Insidious, Chapters (gasps) 2 and 3. Oh, my God. I knew you were going to like that. I'm obsessed with them. The second one is so good. That's so good. I knew you were going to like that. Some of the TV shows. Why is my my inflection is weird today? I'm like, the TV shows. Shows. Some of the the shows. (laughs) Some of the TV shows include the pilot episode of ER, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Dexter, True Blood, Young Sheldon, randomly. Oh, okay. That's an interesting one. And it's been the setting for a bunch of music videos, too. Duran Duran's Falling Down, Fallout Boy's Where Did the Party Go, Foo Fighters' Best of You, Paramore's Monster, The Lumineers' Ho Hey, Nine Inch Nails' Closer. I'm obviously not going to read the entire list, but the building did get sort of a second life once the hospital closed. Britney Spears and Madonna, Me Against the Music, when they're just like going through that broken down maze, I imagine that's like in an old hospital. It could very well be, but it wasn't this one. (laughs) Damn. Missed opportunity. (laughs) Indeed. Brittany. Brittany. We got to get back there. Some might say that there are folks at the hospital who haven't fully left this life. Oh, of course they aren't. They haven't. Because the Linda Vista Community Hospital is haunted as fuck. Haunted AF. Production crews and building security have reported some pretty strange phenomena over the years. Shadows that seem to dart or glide along the walls, unexplained humming, crying, 
I mean, it makes sense because hospitals see a lot of death. That's a lot of energy. For sure. What year did it close? 1991. 1991. Okay. And then it just kind of is vacant. For a while. Do you know who owns it? Is it still like the state? Well, it was bought out by a developer and it's now something else. Oh, okay. Um, But for a while, it was just chilling as this abandoned place that was, it had a property manager that I'll talk about later. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that productions could come in but um yeah for many years it was just sitting there Ooh, i love a an old building just sitting vacant wait until you see the pictures oh my gosh i'm excited there are three main spirits that have been cited on multiple occasions <gasps> a little girl in a surgical room There's always a little cre- the creepy kid but you know what she doesn't seem creepy oh really yeah There's a woman that walks up and down the hallway on the third floor and an orderly making his daily rounds. Is there a woman in white anywhere? I always feel like there's a woman in white. She could very well be wearing white. I bet she is. (laughs) She's wearing white. (laughs) We've settled that. There's also a piece of lore floating around out there that a doctor was murdered by gang members when they brought in one of their own who had been shot by a rival gang. The doctor tried to save the man's life, but he ended up passing away. And supposedly the gang killed the doctor in revenge. Mm. People say they've seen the spirit of the doctor walking the halls. Mm. That's awful. So when I was researching for this episode, I was like, I'm sure Ghost Adventures did an episode on this. And they did. Zach Baggins. That's Ghost Adventures, right? Yep. (gasps) They did a lockdown episode. I believe it was in 2009. So as Zach is walking through the place, he points out all the patient records because they're everywhere, which is crazy, and all the old medical equipment. And at one point, he goes down to the boiler room and he pulls out this metal drawer. And for reasons that I'll never understand, he sticks his hand down into it. What? And he's like, look at all this dust. And he's kind of sifting through it. And then he goes, that looks like a bone fragment. No. This was human ash, my friend. No, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. When the death rate started going up and up toward the end of the hospital's run, the staff was overwhelmed. It was two things, really. The staff was overwhelmed, and a lot of the gang members that died didn't have identification. So they came in as John and Jane Doe's. The hospital didn't know what to do with all the bodies, so they just, they just burned them. hauled them down and cremated them. Oh my god! That's and then they awful. discard the ash. Ah, uh, to think. Although apparently they missed some of the ash. Oh yeah, I can imagine. I mean, to think that like you go to the hospital and you die there, and then nobody knows what happened to you. That is terrifying. Like there has to be so many cases of that, and they don't have any. I mean, all those records are down there, but like obviously, if they don't have identification, they're not keeping any records. Or they don't have time to. Right. That's insane. So I'm sitting on my couch watching the show. I'm jotting down some notes. And then I see a girl I know on there. <laughs> and I'm like, what is Lindley doing on Ghost Adventures? That's amazing. And she's chatting with Zach Bagans, uh, the, uh, the host, about an experience she had at the hospital. So I immediately message her. Yeah. And I'm like, um, excuse me? You were on Ghost Adventures? And the first thing I asked was, was all that legit? Because I had to know if some of that stuff sure, is staged sure, for sure, the sure. cameras or whatever. And she said, yes, it was all true. And I was like, tell me everything. That's fantastic. So it turns out she was part of a ghost hunting crew in LA. I had no idea. She and I worked on a show together when I lived out mm-hmm. there. 
So then I had her tell me all about the experience, the experience she had when she went to that hospital and she sent it in an audio message. So I'm going to play it for you. <gasps> Let me cue it up here. This is so exciting. It's probably easier for me to tell you this now um, by using voice text because talk to text is really hard. So anyway, um, that was literally my very first hunt. And there used to be a security guard there. I wish I remember his name, but I don't. I want to say something like Francis, but I can't remember. Anyway, he would let you in to do paranormal investigations. And so I went with a team of 20, and it was a professional ghost hunting team at the time called FISH, the Forensic Investigations of Southern California Hauntings. And uh, it was all former... Uh, security guards and uh, army vets and policemen and things like that. So they took a very logical approach to investigating. So anyway, um, we went in and since there are two buildings, we separated into teams of five and my team took the upstairs of the building. When you walk in, that's on the left-hand side or sorry, the right-hand side. Uh, and people call that like the mental asylum, but I never found anything that would suggest that was actually a mental asylum. Uh, like there were no padded rooms, there was no immersion therapy or anything like that. So anyway, we took that top floor and we were walking around and we found that one room. And so I went into the room and we had, you know, stuck very close together, but kind of, you know, floating in and out of rooms. And so I thought my friend John had walked into this one room. So I walked in, I saw him in the corner and I went to go ask him a question and he answered me from outside the hallway. So I turned around and all of a sudden I got just shoved out the door. And so, um, I felt like an itching and burning on my back. And so I lifted my shirt up. John looked at my back and there were these scratch marks down it. It was really hot. And they took a photo of it. And uh, from that point on, other investigators have gone into that room. And any girl that looks like me or vaguely looks like me has had something happen to them or they've been yelled at by something, et cetera, et cetera. So that room has kind of become a paranormal hotspot. And so they don't know if I triggered it because nothing had ever happened prior to me being in there. But after that, it seemed to get much hotter anytime someone went in that looked like me. So there you go. That is terrifying. What? What? Isn't that insane? Does she still do paranormal investigations? Because like... I don't know. She doesn't live in LA anymore. But isn't that wild? And on the show, they show where she lifted up her shirt and And you see these... Like there is a photo of like red scratches. Is that not crazy? That is terrifying. And I always like having watched so many of those ghost adventure shows, Mm -hmm. like the scratches apparently, and this, I don't know, you know, if this is true or not, but it's like, it's supposed to be significant of some kind of like demonic or evil entity when you get the three scratches, because it's like the three scratch marks are like the Trinity, like a, the mockery of the Holy Trinity. Oh, I have never heard that. I forget where I'd heard that recently. And it, I could be completely wrong. No, I'm going to say you're right. I'm going to go with that. Yeah, it's supposed to be representative like an evil spirits. And if she can wake them up, oh, shit. you know, get her into some more haunted places. Right? <laughs> I mean, with protection. Like she needs, you know, protection. But well, Yeah. Go ahead. That room that she's talking about, um, it's room 323. 
it became known as one of the most active locations in the hospital, and visitors were frequently instructed not to provoke or antagonize the spirits in there. Something, something went on in that room. That's pretty terrifying to be like, you have to be really careful here because things will happen if you do any kind of provocation or say something wrong. You never want to provoke. Or, I mean, just even look like what she looked like. Yeah, that's so bizarre. It had a type. I wonder what, I mean, does she have like a, like, is, does she have brown hair? Like what? She did. So she had, at the time, well, I guess still now, she had a short, dark brown hair. So everyone out there, short, dark brown hair. Avoid that area. Avoid room three. Is it 323? Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh. Thank you so much, Lindley, for sharing that because that is wild. That's insane. I want to hear more of her stories. I know. I'm sure she has more. Lindley, if you have more, I'm telling you right now, girl, you've got to send them to me. Lindley, get on that, please. I want to hear more. Uh, She mentioned a security guard, Francis. That is his name, Francis Corticas. He actually managed the property for several years, and he told the L.A. Times back in 2010 that he saw a lot of strange things he couldn't explain. He saw water in a scrub sink, you know, like when surgeons are scrubbing Hmm. in. Those sinks are generally controlled, at least these were, by a foot lever. He saw the water turn on by itself and then turn off by itself. I mean, that just doesn't, that doesn't just happen. That's a ghost right there. That's a ghost. And then occasionally he would feel a child's hand grab onto his no. own when no one was there. Aww. He said it felt like his daughter's hand. Oh, that's actually really sad. So I think it was that little girl from the surgical room. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like she's just like, oh, can you help me? Right. Like, where like am I going? I there. feel like it's that. Mm. Oh. Once the hospital closed, the building went through a number of different owners, and one of them suggested that they develop the land, but then someone from the community stepped in because she didn't want to see the building get torn down. So she managed to get the building registered as a historic place in 2006. Good for her. Well, Francis said that that move kind of trapped the property for a while mm. because developers didn't want to go into a place that had a bunch of restrictions because there's only so much right. you can do if a building is listed as historic. That's true. There's a lot of hoop jumping to try to, you know, yeah. make it look nicer or turn it into something else. He also said that the location is not earthquake safe. <gasps> Don't know if they fixed that, but that's a thing. Mm. So Francis is really credited with marketing the place as a great location for film shoots. Mm -hmm. And when crews would come in, they'd do their thing, probably have a ghost encounter or two. And when they leave, they would just leave their crap behind that they had used as props or set dressing, like cages, church pews, jars with fake organs. So Francis was like, huh. Maybe I can make this place even more appealing to productions by creating the set for them. So he brought in gurneys, autopsy tables, incubators, all kinds of stuff that he thought productions might want to use. That's a really good move. Yeah, I I mean, it's smart. You could make so much money off of that if you turned it into like a haunted house type situation. You absolutely could. I feel like a lot of people like with these big haunt like these you know really old abandoned haunted places like prisons hospitals asylums what have you like Mm -hmm. eventually turn them into like a haunted attraction yeah groups did go in to Mm -hmm. do tours of this place it just wasn't that wasn't a lot of income right there 
Despite Francis's efforts and the money from productions, the building was still falling into disrepair. Mm. There was mold. There were rats. Random water in places where no leaks or faucets or pipes are present. The walls were lined with asbestos. There's lead. That's the real horror of this story. Right? (laughs) Oh, my God. When you see the pictures, I'm telling you, it's so creepy and gross. There were tubs that had years of dirt and who knows what else caked onto them. No. Yeah. Stop it. I won't stop it. Health hazard. Bonnie Temple, who was working as a prop master on a shoot, said, quote, Everything is fine in most of the building, but there are places where the air suddenly changes. During her time there, she said that on two separate occasions, she saw an orderly in a white short sleeve shirt lurking by the windows. And twice, when a set dresser from her crew walked by that same area, he had to run outside and vomit. That's bananas. When the band in this moment used the hospital to shoot their music video, Adrenalize, drummer Tom Haynes said that the local fire marshal refused to go to the upper levels of the hospital to check for code because he was too scared. Oh, The fire marshal. Was no one going to go with him? Guess not. Oh, man. He's like, it's fine. He was just like, you know what? It looks good to me. <laughs> oh, it's a bad sign when like even safety isn't the top priority for <laughs> Yeah, he's like, don't light any matches. Okay, bye. I like in this moment. I think they're a heavy metal band. I think so. I don't know anything about them. And I didn't realize you did. So I'm glad that you do. Yeah, they're they're good. Check them out. Nice. Uh, I found this radio show called West of the Rockies. It's hosted by a guy named Frank. Could not find his last name. Just Frank. If I do, I'll let you know. Okay. Sorry about that, Frank. But back in 2011, Frank visited the hospital with a group of investigators from the Boyle Heights Paranormal Project. And Frank had never done anything like that before. He was a total newbie. I think he was a skeptic going in. And the investigators brought in all the equipment, the spirit boxes, the EMF meters, the EVP recorders, all the things you need to try to connect with spirits. So Frank tells this story on a show about how they were all in a room and someone asked the spirit box, can you tell us who's here? Like, do you know our names? Who Who is here? And they heard loud and clear, Frank. And it said multiple times. It was like, Frank, Frank. So already that's wild. Oh. But then later, Frank starts to notice these lights seemingly from nowhere because there were no windows where they were. There were no lights But he's seeing these lights and they start to focus on the wall and then they start to swirl. Sir, that is a portal that you are about to open (laughs) back away from the portal. (laughs) Leave the room calmly. Don't look behind you. And that's a really common one. People often say that there are lights that they see when there are no windows, no electricity, like these lights suddenly come in and start bouncing around. That's strange. I wonder what that is. Is ghosts. Ghosts. So later, Frank interviewed Richard Burney, who founded the Boyle Heights Paranormal Project. Oh, cool. And he said that his aunt used to work at the hospital in the 70s. And according to her, there was paranormal activity happening even then. Dang. She told Richard that she, along with others at the hospital, would see unexplained shadows. Objects would just straight up move on their own. Elevators would go up and down without anyone pushing any buttons. So it seems these spirits have been around for a while. 
Interestingly enough, when you said that, Kate, the day that... So Kate came to pick me up from when I had surgery back in mm-hmm. October. Um, and when when you were outside waiting for me and I was coming down in the elevator, the guy who was pushing me in the wheelchair, like we got in the elevator and it started to go down, but it kept going down and opening on like empty floors. Oh. And he was like, this is weird because this floor isn't used. Like, there's nobody on this floor. So I don't know why it, the doors would open. Oh, geez. Why isn't that floor used? Is it because it's ghosts? I don't know. I think he said it was some kind of, like, a storage, like, where they keep a bunch of different stuff. Um, mm. But, yeah, he was like, people don't really come down here. Spooky. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Oh, hospitals are haunted because that – Yeah. I mean, think about it. It's a lot of death. The most common EVPs or electronic voice phenomena that ghost hunters have gotten from there are a man growling, like a low, rude growl, Ew. a heavy sigh that's like, <sighs> I wonder if it's the person who's annoyed with the guy growling. Like, <laughs> the go- <laughs> I think it's someone annoyed with all the ghost hunters mm. in there. Right. I think they're probably like, ugh. These people again. Oh, Christ. Get out. And the other common one is a little girl laughing and singing. No. What song is she singing? I don't know. That's a great question. It's like Whitney Houston or something. And that like, would be amazing. <gasps> Sorry. <laughs> I can't speak. <laughs> Jesus Mena, who was a retired security guard, started to show up at the hospital every day and work with Francis at the building. He did not have a title. He wasn't paid. This was not his job. He just liked being there, I guess. And he would sweep the floors. He'd watch TV in the nurse's dorm. He liked building things in the wood shop. And he liked hanging out with the building's stray cat that he named Benji. Some people like to go on cruises. Jesus likes to hang out at and a haunted hospital. And some people like to hang out at haunted hospitals and clean them. I mean, you do you. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately. The building's reputation made it a popular site for break-ins and vandalism. Mm, yeah. And Jesus and Francis would have to board up the broken doors and windows all the time from all the break lo- from all the break-ins. They'd have to fix padlocks because people would just like break those. And one time a group of young men broke in and Jesus said, Hey, what are you doing here? And then these assholes chased him down the hallway and beat him up pretty seriously. They busted his head open, and then they just left him there as he cried out in pain. That's disgusting. And, like, what the fuck are you doing there? Right. I mean, are they using it to, like, go and, I don't know, do drugs? Is it some kind of, like, gang initiation? I think there was a lot of that kind of stuff happening, actually. Oh, okay. Um, Another group of boys set the lobby on fire. A group of teenage girls broke in, quote, to mutilate themselves as part of a blood ritual. That was a quote from the LA Times. What? What the fuck? That's horrific. Yeah, crazy. But if you're thinking of conducting your own little paranormal investigation at Linda Vista, you can't. No. Because a developer bought it and in 2015 turned it into affordable housing for senior citizens. (laughs) I'm sorry to laugh at that, but if I guess if it's going to be anything, that's probably like the best thing to happen. But also it's like you're just going to feed it more ghosts. Okay, so this came up in yeah. a, like one of our earlier episodes. I think it was for the Knickerbocker Hotel, which turned into 
residence for seniors. And I'm like, that seems like a choice. Yeah. And I mean, like, awful. Like, you want to spend your end of life with people from the afterlife? I don't think so. Come on, let's treat our elderly better in this country. Let's do that. Don't stick them in haunted asylums. (laughs) What the (laughs) fuck? It's, uh, yeah, it's a decision. And it was no easy feat because there were so many restrictions as to what they could do since it's on that historic register. And there was so much lead and asbestos that they had to remove, not to mention everything else that needed to be cleaned up. So it was a big undertaking. I was going to say that had to be like crazy expensive. Yeah. And it was like a private developer, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't like like a state. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because why would the state put any more money? Exactly. The state didn't care. In 2021, a nurse by the name of Ursilia Pompilio. I love that name. I do too. I love her name. Went to the building. It had already been renovated at this point, but she was curious to see if she could pick up on anything. Yeah. So she asked one of the security guards if he thought the place was haunted. He said, quote, it's my first day, but my coworkers have told me stories. One of them saw several dead bodies lying in piles in the basement during his late night rounds. Ugh. Another said he saw a doctor looking down at him from one of the windows. Some of the new tenants have reported the lingering stench of burning flesh in the halls. That's awful. And it could also be the crappy food they're making in the cafeteria for them. There is that. But they did cremate a lot of bodies. That too. And the morgue was right underneath the dining room of the hospital. No, yes. bad location. Right? Seems like there were some interesting design choices that went into that. Well, I guess that's where the gas pipes are. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? You have a good point. <laughs> I want to go. I wish we could go there. That sounds amazing. If anybody knows any elderly people who are living there that we could go say hi to. We have some questions. We have a lot of questions. Where's the little girl? Is the guy... Oh my God. Can you imagine the person who's living in 323? They're just getting maimed. Like, faces. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. You can't do that to people. They did remove that door, which is interesting. Did they? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. I don't know what that room is right now. It might be someone's home. Vending machines. Who knows? (laughs) But I guess since we can't go there, we'll have to find another haunted place to check out. We still need to do the tour. I know we keep talking about this, but like we've got to do the Chicago ghost tour. Yes, we do. And we should should tape ourselves doing it and (gasps) post it on this. Investigation. Yes. I need to get myself some equipment. I was going to say, I want to do like a, like, I want to go on a ghost yeah. uh, hunt. I think that would be a lot of fun. That would be fun. If any of you out there have been to this hospital or have any insight into it, let us know. We want to hear about it. Tell us in the comments. And you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at... Horrorwood Podcast. At Horrorwood Podcast. That's it. Sorry, Kate. No worries. <laughs> or you can email us those spooky stories at horrorwoodpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to hear more, if you want bonus episodes, or if you just want to listen to episodes that don't have any ads, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash horrorwoodpodcast. Ooh, ooh. 
Uh, thank you so much to Kevin for being here. You were fantastic. <gasps> thank you for having me, Kate. And if any of the ghosts out there, I know in movies like House on Haunted Hill, like sometimes they can reach out through electronics and email. Send something in. Say, hey, tell us why you're scratching people. You're like, hey, I'm a ghost. Tell us why you're singing in the hallway. <laughs> what was it like being burned to death? <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. That took a Sorry, really dark turn. A- if you're yeah. gonna go ghost hunting, just remember, don't hurt other people, and don't hurt yourself, and don't damage property. Just don't be an asshole. Yeah, don't break men. Don't be an asshole. And maybe avoid blood rituals. I mean, if it's only, if it's necessary.